This podcast was recorded Thursday, October 13th at 10.37 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like a company will build a factory in Ohio without any tax incentives. Don't see that happening anytime soon. Let's talk politics. This is Snolly Goster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those shrewd politicians who fill your mailboxes with promises to fix everything that's wrong with the world. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up in the podcast, another win for Ohio manufacturing and another win for Mike DeWine. But first, the debate by the lake. You invested into China. And you have the Which audacity. That, Tim? You have the, the one that ships, job, ships jobs from China to manufacture things that go to like, I don't know if it's Vail or some kind of ski resort or something like so that. So your consultants gave you this line so and I'm you don't actually know I'm, it. I'm telling you, J.D., you've not denied investing in the China. And you're talking about illegal... Democrat Tim Ryan and Republican J.D. Vance stood shoulder to shoulder on Cleveland TV station WJW and argued about who was the best person to represent Ohio in the U.S. Senate. After months of talking past each other in TV ads and campaign appearances, the two men frequently talked over each other in the hour-long session. It was a spirited but informative session. Yeah, some things that we know at this point. Ryan supports a federal law guaranteeing abortion rights, as was decided in the now-overturned Roe v. Wade case. Vance said he would support a national law banning abortion after 15 weeks. Ryan said he supports a federal law guaranteeing legal same-sex marriage nationwide. Vance said such a law would infringe on the religious freedoms of faith organizations that morally oppose gay marriage. When it comes to foreign policy, both expressed strong, although vague, support for Ukraine. Both also said they would support Taiwan if it were invaded by China. On the economy and inflation, the big issue on voters' minds, the candidates differed. J.D. Vance blamed President Biden and the Democrats. Simultaneously, they borrowed and spent trillions of dollars that we just don't have, and that's thrown fuel on the flyer, fire of the inflation problem. And at the same time, they've completely gone to war against America's energy sector. Ryan wants a middle-class tax cut to help people cope with rising prices. Well, I think everybody's to blame. I mean, we're coming out of a pandemic. It's a problem. The question is, are we going to sit around for another 10 years and point fingers? What I've been proposing is a significant tax cut for working people and small businesses. Underneath it all, both men really at the heart fighting for that middle vote. Each candidate tried to portray himself as the moderate. Each candidate tried to portray the other as the extremist. Tim Ryan is put on a costume where he pretends to be a reasonable moderate. But in fact, he said he stands up to his own party. The last two Congresses, Tim, you voted for Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden 100%. You consistently toe the party line on every single issue. This is the crowd that J.D. is running around with. The election deniers, the extremists. That's not Ohio. J.D. with a, a topical Halloween costume reference there. The rest, <laughs> it, it's pretty... It's a little early for that. It's not he, quite Halloween. He's got one more debate he's, left. But he's, he's setting the table, Mike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty typical things, right? I mean, we've seen a ton of J.D. Vance ads tying Tim Ryan to Nancy Pelosi. We've seen a lot of Tim Ryan ads tying J.D. Vance to China and to being a, a San Francisco-based venture capitalist or vulture capitalist, as some Tim Ryan ads say. Um, so this is really pretty run-of-the-mill, but it's um, they're, they're fighting for that middle vote. Yeah, I thought it was a really good debate. 
Um, it was civil but spirited. The moderator, Colleen Marshall from Columbus TV station uh, WCMH, did an excellent job of, you know, maintaining control, letting the candidates spar occasionally, but not go off the rails. The reporters had good questions, and the candidates did an excellent job. They they laid out their positions in a civil but pointed way, and we learned something. If you weren't, a, a, I mean, we, we know all these positions, but if you're watching these folks for the first time, you learned where they stand on the issues, and you saw some clear differences. So I thought it was a, it was a good debate. Yeah, the clear differences really were on the economy. As we talked about, um, nothing that substantive on Ukraine, nothing real, I mean, and, and on abortion and on uh, the, marriage. The, yeah, the uh, right—I forget the name of the bill, the Right to Marriage Act or whatever it's called, the one that Rob Portman has been yeah. fighting for in the Senate. Um, it would codify the gay rights uh, decision into law. Right, and J.D. Vance expressing concerns that he thinks it could lead to, to lawsuits against people who, um, who morally oppose gay marriage. And so, again, nothing out of the ordinary there. No, I don't— I don't know why J.D. Vance was Out of the so ordinary reluctant. Other parties, I would say. I don't know why J.D. Vance was so slow to accept the debate. He did fine. I think both men did fine. J- they, you know, the the thing that voters get to see after seeing all of these ads on TV, both the positive ads that the candidates run about themselves and the negative ads they run against their opponent. The voters really in these debates get to see the candidates for who they are. Yes, they're prepped and they have their talking points and their strategies they want in the debate, but it's still unscripted and they can still get thrown off and they have to think on their feet and respond to criticism. And you got to see both men do that. And both men, I thought, did pretty well. Yeah, I think um, the only reason if I'm if I was in the J.D. Vance camp, right? If I was, the only reason I would think J.D. Vance would not want to do this debate is that maybe he's not as polished on the stump. But I thought it was the opposite during the debate. I thought from a purely uh, aesthetic and and just um, loquacious point of view, J.D. Vance held his own and even did better than Jim Ryan. I mean, I think he's he, he hit the talking points more. He was on message. Um, he, he spoke a little more clearly at times. And I just think he was a little more polished than Ryan, honestly. Yeah, I thought I didn't. I didn't really see a difference. I think Ryan tripped over a couple of things once in a while, but um, yeah, not not a big deal. But I, I, I just that would would have been a weakness for JD Vance. I would have thought is that he does not have the the experience in venues like that. Well, but he did it, debate think, his Republican colleague several times in the primary. Yeah, I suppose. But this, this, I, I, you're I right. This is his first time for running for public office. Yeah. I, where, where this moves, I haven't seen any polling since the debate. I don't know what the ratings were like. It was on TV in Cleveland, all around the state. There's a new Emerson College poll out now that gives Vance a a small lead within the margin of error. So it's still basically tied. Yeah. So I think it was about a two percent lead within a three percent margin of error. I think this this comes this race now comes down to turnout. My guess is most people have made up their minds. It's just getting their voters out. And early voting started this week. It is still way too early to see who is voting early from which party and which counties are doing well. We'll watch that over the next couple of weeks. And even that's not going to really tell you the whole story, but it's the get out the vote. And Tim Ryan has been in office for a long time. You would assume he has a good organization, certainly a good organization up in the Mahoning Valley in Northeast Ohio and can get his vote out. Can he get the vote out statewide? And can J.D. Vance, a first time candidate, does he have the organization to get the vote out statewide? Republicans traditionally are more reliable voters, so that's his built-in advantage for the Republican candidate. Yeah, national, nationwide, Republicans seem to be leaning on this seat more than even others in in states like Pennsylvania and Arizona. They're viewing Ohio as a more red state, and even though this race is basically tied, they're really 
putting their eggs in the Ohio basket at this point because, I mean, I mean who knows what's going to happen in those other states. Ohio, they view as, as more friendly. Yeah, it's definitely – it's it's a it's a red state. I mean, Donald Trump has won here twice by big margins. Mike DeWine is one is winning comfortably in all the polls. If he were to lose, it would be ex- extremely surprising. It's a red state. Now, for Democrats, if they can pick off this seat and switch it from red to blue, that really helps them in their effort to maintain the Senate. So I think that's why Democrats are really focusing on this race to sort of hedge their bets against states like Wisconsin, where they likely they may not be able to flip that one, and Georgia, where they may lose it, and Pennsylvania as well. Um, So it's a multi-state effort, and there are a lot of uh, demands on national Democratic and Republican money. I'm curious to see what the next debate is like. These two candidates debate again this coming Monday um, in Youngstown. Of course, Youngstown. Yeah. We will learn where they think they fell short in this debate when we watch the next debate. You'll see them emphasize certain things. You'll see maybe a candidate be more aggressive in one issue than than he was in this past debate. But you would think Tim Ryan would be more aggressive on abortion if we look at that Emerson College poll. It showed um, a pretty sizable uh, difference in the number of Ohioans who support current abortion laws, which is low. It was forty-five to fifty-three percent saying Ohioans do not support current law. Yeah, two of the issues that I thought got shorter shrift than others: abortion. They didn't spend a lot of time on abortion. Immigration, they didn't spend a lot of time on immigration. Mm-hmm. They did not spend a whole lot of time on the opioid crisis. They all were, they all were there, but I, I would, my guess is we will see those crop up more. But if you're in Youngstown, the number one issue up there is far the economy. away is jobs and manufacturing yeah. jobs. You so, would think crime would come up more, too. Yeah. Well, J.D. Vance certainly will bring up crime. He's been bringing up crime through the whole the whole debate. Right. Republicans have been pushing crime, rising crime rates in 2020 and 2021 and blaming them on the Democratic policies. But I think jobs far and away will dominate this next debate. Anyway, we'll be right back. WOSU Public Media podcasts are made possible thanks to listener support. All of our digital content, such as Snully Goster and the All Sides of the Ann Fisher podcast, depend on the generosity of listeners like you. You can give at WOSU.org or through the WOSU mobile app. And thanks. This is Snolly Goster from WOSU Public Media. Usually October surprises are bad news. This October, it's good news for Ohio and especially good news for Governor Mike DeWine. Of course, that is bad news for his opponent, Nan Whaley. But the news is that Honda will stay in Ohio to build electric cars. We know those cars are coming. And competition for the emerging industry is fierce. We knew Honda planned to build a car battery factory somewhere, and now we know where. And that will be in Fayette County, about an hour south of Columbus. Honda will partner with the South Korean firm LG Energy Solution to build a $3.5 billion plant near Jeffersonville. And that factory will make the batteries to put in those electric Accords, Civics, and CRVs. Makes sense geographically. The battery plant will be near current Honda plants in Marysville, East Liberty, and Greensburg, Indiana. Honda plans to retrofit its assembly plants to accommodate electric vehicles as well as its engine plant in Anna, Ohio. Honda promises, here's the bottom line, Honda promises some 2,500 new jobs. Quite a few jobs. Governor Mike DeWine was beaming when he made the announcement this week. And so as Honda transitions to the vehicles of the future, They're going to do it in Ohio with Ohioans. 
We will move forward, and we will build the future together. While what we drive and how we drive may be changing, one thing that will never change is the grit, the determination, the ingenuity, and the work ethic of our Ohio workers. Did we just hear a Republican making a commercial for an electric car? Yeah. I think we did. Amazing. Uh, the governor was also sure to mention that it was not only the Columbus area that will benefit from this. This new plant will draw workers from parts of Appalachia and from counties near three, three of our major metropolitan areas. What the governor did not say at that celebration is what the state has shelled out to seal the deal. Word of the incentives came a couple of days later. Here they are. Ohio will give Honda $156 million in economic incentives to help the company get its electric vehicle production plan going. My reaction upon hearing that $156 million, that it is much lower than I expected. Yeah, Intel got $2 billion. Right. For a $20 billion so dollar one, plant. One twentieth of the overall incentives, although it's a much smaller plant. Yeah, so for the same number of jobs, though, basically Intel's going to have 3,000 jobs, Honda here 2,500. So, yeah, it's just it's part of the deal now. You've got to shell out yeah. these incentives. But it's great news for um, Central Ohio, great news for Ohio. I don't think it's a huge surprise, though. It makes sense for Honda to build the battery plant near its assembly plants. I guess the question was, would they build it in Ohio or would they build it in Indiana? Maybe Kentucky was in the running, you could think. Honda has some production in Alabama as well. Um, But yeah, no, it is good news economically for Ohio, right? That's a lot of income tax revenue that the state is going to get. That's a lot of uh, new houses that construction workers will have to build near Fayette County. Um, It will um, mean that housing market there is going to be squeezed even tighter. It's already... um, a commuter area for, you know, there's some bedroom communities down there where people commute into Columbus. Um, but overall, good news, I think, for, for the economy of Ohio, certainly. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, had, we've seen the manufacturing declines over the past several decades, and now this new economy, computer chip manufacturing, coming to Ohio. We'll see if that works. Electric car manufacturing coming to Ohio, thanks to Honda and this battery plant. These are future technologies, and they will be built here. What the future holds, we do not know, but it's certainly better than seeing those plants being built in places like Alabama or Mexico or things like that. Or Michigan. Mich- well, Michigan. <laughs> no, it is, it is good news. Um, the geogra- the ge- We don't want to miss that geographic line there. That was intentional because the governor has taken a lot of heat after the Intel announcement. And the $2 that billion it was too central Ohio specific. Yeah, $2 billion to help Columbus get this plant. Where, what about the rest of the state? So Fayette County is closest to Columbus. Not by much. But it's fairly close to Cincinnati and Dayton. It's about halfway. It's a stretch to go from Appalachia to Fayette County. I mean, if you count Lancaster yeah, and you the could commute from Athens, but that'd be that'd be a long drive. Yeah, but I mean, he was that's that was intentional to say, hey, look, we we this plant is going to be centrally located, and I wonder if that was Honda's choice. Or if the governor and the, and the administration said, we'll give you these incentives, but you've got to put it in the middle of the, at least the southern half well, of this, the state. Fayette County has had this so-called mega site for about 20 years since they lost a similar project in the early 2000s. So this was, was ready to a, go. a long existing plot of land where they had been courting something just like this. Yeah, I bet there are plots of lands elsewhere in Yeah, Ohio. of course. But this was, this was I, would, I guess you would call it plug and play. It was ready to go. Right off the highway. 
Right. Right off I-71. Right by the outlet malls. You can Great go, get, go get your polo collar. Yeah. Maybe they can get a battery at the outlet mall, car battery. It'll be a cool... Will there be a, a, a scratch and dent battery store there? <laughs> you know, those days are coming. Yeah. Anyway, time now for our Snollygoster of the Week Award, which goes to the shrewdest political move of the week. And this week it goes to a candidate who made a bold fashion choice. Yes. When he was running for president, Tim Ryan usually wore a blue tie. You know, blue, the color of a true Democrat. He wore a blue tie when he debated Morgan Harper in this spring's primary debate for U.S. Senate. This week, though, in his debate with J.D. Vance, he wore a different color. Ryan wore a red tie, the color tie nearly always worn by Republican candidates and always worn by President Trump. And Ryan had on an identical suit as well to J.D. Vance. They looked the same. Yes. Coincidence? We think not. In fact, a Google image search, very scientific, of course, a Google (laughs) image search of Tim Ryan on the campaign trail this summer and fall shows he wears a red tie fairly often. Previous campaign pictures from farther back show him always wearing a blue tie, a subtle but perhaps subliminal message that Tim Ryan is not beholden to those bright blue Democrats. You don't think this is a a candidate evolving on a key issue? This isn't Rob Portman coming around on gay marriage, Tim Ryan's coming around on 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 red ties. Anyway, we weren't the only ones that noticed that. No. It was... It's worth noting, let's put it that way. Karen is very shrewd. Karen Kassler noted it in her piece that she filed the morning after the debate that the candidates were wearing matching blue suits, white shirts, and red ties. So everyone noticed. If J.D. Vance comes out in a blue tie next week. He had a blue suit? Well, they always have dark suits. I know. The tie tie is sort of... Remember when Obama wore the the light suit? Oh, my God. Oh, the tan suit? That was like... You thought that it was like... Yeah. Oh, it's because he always wore the same suit. The tan one was just... It jumped out to you. He's president. He can't wear a tan suit if <laughs> sure he's president can. of the United States. Barack Obama did it. Anyway, that will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster. If you have a suggestion for next week's edition, you can send it to us at snollygoster at WOSU.org. As always, please leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast, and tell your buddies about us. For our audio producer, Eric French, and our web producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.